On today's show, it's the first of our player preview series. Let's get into Evan Mobley. Let's dive in. You are Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 back in bonus bets, and that's guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com backslash Locked On today to get started. All right, today's show, Evan Mobley. Uh, I'm Chris Manning. That's Evan Damerill. Evan Mobley season preview. The, what we're going to do for the season previews this year is be a little more intentional Look you, the listeners, dead in your face. Let your talk to your ear holes and talk about different things very intentionally with different players. For the big players, they're going to get a whole show. Not every player is going to get a whole show, but Mobley, Mitchell, Garland, Jared Allen, probably. We haven't come with that full list yet, but a lot of these guys are going to get full shows. With Mobley and the other guys who will get full shows, here's going to be the format. Segment one is going to be Evan and I each giving a big question for said player. So Evan Mobley, we each could have a question. I have blocked mine out. I know what Evans is. For the future, Evan, let's both block them out. I, let's surprise each other. It's great. Get some, get some, try to get some reaction out of the segment two is going I, to be, I'm going to, I, I will, I've got, I will disclose. What? I was editing my uh, section of the doc Mobley at first and, you know, a little harder to uh, highlight things. So, but continue. I looking at you like I'm your English teacher. Segment two. I'm going to present some numbers. I'm going to present numbers to tell a, to kind of give you some idea about, I think, where, what they say about this player, what I'm thinking about this player for the season. I think it will build on segment one. And then the third one, we're going to go best case, worst case. We're going to look at, okay, what is the best case for this player this year? What is the worst case? To start, Evan, give me your big Evan Mobley question for this upcoming season. So it's something you and I have debated. Last season, I think we touched on it this summer as well, just because uh, you have flip-flop between just either side of the teams. And not not like in a, not trying to diss you or anything, because it's understandable to kind of um, what he can be as a player. But does Mobley lean into Team Handle, or does he lean into Team 3 heading into uh, this upcoming season? Like, what becomes the strength of Mobley's offensive game um, just to kind of complement things instead of just being an interior threat, especially when he has to play alongside traditional bigs like Jared Allen? Like, does he impact the offense by handling the rock or does he stretch it out a little bit more and uh, act as a spacer and a guy who can kind of operate and like pick and pop when he's uh, depending on the ball, the guards to get the ball in his hand? I, mine is very similar. It's just I went a little broader. I, I went with where does Mobley's offense sit in year three? I, I think the way I'm trying to think about it, because this team has expectations and because this team, I think, has... It isn't just like the Evan Mobley show. No. Right? Like, this isn't like he's... Other guys in his rookie class where the team is, like, still kind of bad and, like, they're still coming up. This team is, like, here to... They have Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland. Like, this team is more here. So there's less room to experiment. So just wh- what does it look like? You know, is it he just takes more shots and makes more of them? There's some numbers that I think there's some very basic areas where he could do things differently or better, and it becomes more efficient. And then it's it's not so much 
how much are we talking about the handle? Does he take corner threes? What is the mo- and what is the motion offense that the Cavs have been talking about mean for this? Mm-hmm. Like, does it lead him to have to dribble more? Does it lead to him doing more DHOs? Does it lead him to be someone that they funnel rebounds to so he could increase the pace? That was something JB Bickerstaff talked about Mobu being good at and checked that directly at media day. I, I think for Mobley, we know how good he is defensively. I think there's still more to go. But his impact on this team, I think, and, and how high he can and how good this team can be is going to be more impacted this year in some ways by the progressions he takes on offense. Yeah, I I think it, the, the Cavs will certainly be a lot more predicated on how Mobley facilitates and functions within this just new offensive hierarchy and scheme. We touched on this a little bit um, when previewing the preseason as a whole and also looking ahead to Tuesday's Hawks game a little bit. Um, just the fact that Mobley, um, we're going to get an idea of him as a small ball five. How does this offense function and operate? And do the Cavs lean on maybe what they were comfortable with and kind of what got them here? And I think a a strong asset of what worked for them offensively last year was um, Darius Garland and Evan Mobley finding a bit of a cadence with one another in pick and roll scenarios where Garland Garland is the primary ball handler. And if you're able to add a little bit of versatility to that, especially when you have two bigs on the floor and Garland admitted like, hey, sometimes the spacing was a bit of an issue. It did feel crowded down low, but the, the Cavs found a way to make it work. Um, maybe they just make it a little bit more user-friendly for everyone involved. And again, I've, I've been watching Evan Mobley practice three-pointers for almost two years now. Um, and he was working quite a bit with Luke Walton after one day at camp the other day. And it was mostly just him doing those flare outs in like a pick and pop scenario where he flares out to the corner or the perimeter. And maybe that's not fully predicated on the motion offense. Um, like that's just the Cavs maybe running a play that is functional of what worked for them last year to maybe find an offensive spark. But yeah, I am very curious to see just how he functions this preseason. And now like we're not going to get a full picture or full perspective of how he may function on this offense for Cleveland, but we'll have a, better understanding than I think we would if Jared Allen was available because we're assuming Jared Allen just won't be playing this entire preseason and that just means it's more time more footage and more information on how does Evan Mobley function within this new offensive scheme um what are some new things he might be implementing and where the Cavs are having him implement and um what can we kind of build off of from what we know from preseason into the regular 82 game season stretch and however long the postseason run goes for the Cavs Here's what I would push back on with what you said there that I think is part of the season as long as and as long as they're playing these two bigs. I think no Jared Allen just delays the what we're going to learn. I think we're going to see maybe Mobley get more feature, but I think we are ahead of there anyway. I think Jared Allen's role is to rim run and dunk and catch lobs. Like Evan Mobley's the one that's going to get expansion into his game. I think with with no Allen and like Damian Jones is probably just going to play that role. But I think in, in terms of the starters, I think you'd want those reps. I think it's not the end of the world, especially if he doesn't miss significant time and he is you know just back in by the season opener. He plays the home opener against Oklahoma City. I do also just I I want to see it. it I, I do wonder if there's also going to be some differentiation, and I imagine there will be, in him at the five versus him at, him at the four just because of the spacing. I, I think those lineups with him at the four are going to look drastically different than some of the other ones. I think that's that's also part of this. It's going to be interesting. And I do, as much as I think we've thought, I, I've at least said, there's not room for a lot of like experimentation 
if there's one thing I would waste, not waste, but use time on, mm-hmm. let's uh, let's do it with Mobley's offense. I think that's that's clearly a thing you got to do it with. Yeah, I, uh, I I'm just interested interested to see how far the Cavs are willing to lean into that. Just because, like you said, um, it's a bit of a weird situation in terms of just like it's not fully conducive to allow opportunities to let players grow and learn from their mistakes uh, against in non-practice scenarios and against different teams and in live action scenarios more or less. So. Like you can find those opportunities every now and then. And I'm not saying like Evan Wobley's in a box, guys like Okoro was and probably still is on offense, but you're going to have a pretty clear understanding of what the Cavs want to do and also how much creative freedom the Cavs may have during the regular season. Because these regular season wins are probably going to matter lots and lots and lots just because come postseason time, you want to avoid one of or both of Boston and Milwaukee as much as possible. And that that kind of doesn't kill the flow because Mobley is growing at his own pace and own rate that is incredible to begin with. But it is an interesting thought to think like how far further ahead would Mobley and the Cavs be if they had that luxury. But well, we'll see what happens. Like, I wonder if they can fully lead into it like that. All right. Coming up next, let's talk about some stats. We'll do that after this. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel, and you can snap into the NFL action this season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets. That's guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. Their app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season and all season long. Plus, NBA season is coming up soon, too. You're going to want to, I'm sure, bet on some Cavs things. You can do that at FanDuel as well. Remember, that's FanDuel, official partner of the NFL, the official sportsbook of LockedOn. Use our promo code LockedOn at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn for $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place that $5 bet. All right, a couple stats. We're going to run through these concisely. Number one, 40%. So last year, Evan Mobley, Evan, on shot attempts in the 4 to 14-foot range, the short mid-range. That's what he shot. That's below league average for a big. And 34% of his shots came in that space. That puts him in the the top 10% of bigs. You look at that number, you look at how it wasn't good as a rookie either. And him just making more shots in that range and just maybe making this, just kind of zoning in on like four to eight feet instead of some of the, the longer mid-range twos that are not the most efficient shot and we, unless the shot's just better. This is just a clear, easy way for Evan Mobley as he gets stronger, as he just gets better feel, all of that stuff to just be a more efficient offensive player. He makes more of these shots and doesn't change much else. He's already a more useful offensive player. I think that's a fair assessment, especially because going from that range and finding comfort and familiarity to then stepping out to the perimeter and stretching out the floor that way certainly makes a lot of sense in terms of just, you know, Mobley's offensive growth as a shooting big, but it is fair to wonder just because like, does this stat kind of glean into the fact that there are moments last season where Mobley wasn't the most consistent big at the free throw line either. Like 
Yes, he made them more often than not. There are situations where sometimes he'd go one or two from the stripe, or maybe he would miss an and one or something like that. And those are just missed simple opportunities that the uh, that Mobley just left behind and points to the Cavs left on the board or the table rather um, that they didn't work with. But it is that is interesting, especially because like he is in the top percent of big men shooting shots like that. And do you think that's more a product of Cleveland's offensive flow or Mobley not having a ton of space if he has to share the floor with like? another big man or maybe another non-shooting player that is packing the paint next to him. I think it's, I think it's spacing and I think it's strength. I think this is still someone who isn't growing into his body yet. I think you're going to take lumps in that spot to have to finish more through contact. Um, I, I think there's just an inevitability with someone at this age that like maybe there's just adapting to being stronger. You know, he didn't add by his accounts, like add like, a ton of weight. He said he added, I think, seven pounds. So he's still yeah. not like the biggest guy in the league. Um, but this is someone who like gets fouled a decent amount and had last year at least had a below average and one percentage and was just average in year one. I think you look at some of this and to me it feels like a strength thing, um, a little bit more than than anything else. I think I, I don't really think it's totally a flow thing, although at times I certainly when he has to take those fadeaways, it doesn't help. I think it's in some order, like one and one A, it's spacing and then strength. All right, number two, true shooting percentage, forty-seven point one percent in the playoffs. That was down from fifty-nine percent in the regular wow. season. A drastic drop. And Evan, this 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 number stuck out, and I wanted a well, playoff one. R- real what? quick, um, mm-hmm. explain to the folks at home. I mean, I have a full understanding of it, but how is true shooting percentage calculated? True shooting percentage is your field goal percentage plus your free throw percentage. Okay. It's it's as basic of an analytic numbers you can get. This is just how how many of your total shots are you making, and you get above sixty percent. That's really really good. That's pretty standard for bigs, considering they should be pretty efficient. For Mobley to look, this is just very simple. They get to the playoffs again. Evan Mobley can't do it if they, Evan Mobley can't have an offensive series like that if they want to get to where they want to go. It's it's literally that simple with that number. Yeah, and I think a lot of people, I think rightfully so, zeroed in on Jared Allen wrinkling against the pressure that Mitchell Robinson and the Knicks threw at him in terms of just those offensive rebounds and second chance opportunities, or people noticed that Donovan Mitchell didn't step up to the plate and be the Superman that the Cavs, and I think many Cavs fans expected him to be, whether it's based on past playoff experiences with Mitchell or just how incredible he was during the regular season. But something that kind of went through the through line was a little bit more quiet was just how incredibly, I don't want to say unremarkable because there were moments where he was great during the playoffs, but like you could tell the weight and gravity of the situation might hit Mobley a little differently and he was still processing and internalizing it. And it was clear with how he was playing and how he was contributing statistically and also just like from body language and things like that. Like I think the physicality got to him quite a bit. And I also just think like with the Cavs just being so rattled and the Knicks just hitting them with certain pressure points defensively, uh, Mobley is very dependent on his guards getting in the ball at times. And like that's just something the Cavs don't want to encourage in terms of Mobley running things in isolation on offense. So that the stat doesn't surprise me, but like you said, like you need to really get into like that 60s percentile if you're a big man to begin with. And if you're a guy who's expected to be the second best player on a team, maybe even the face of the franchise and best player overall, 
in no time at all, like you need to step up when your team needs you to the most. And it was clear like Mobley didn't really step up for the Cavs in the playoffs. Yeah, look, he, he, there's a world where I think he's the best player on the team, but isn't the best offensive player, but he has to be competent. He has to be, there has to be just like a certain level of quality there. All right, last number. This is kind of the most boring one. So last, this, and this actually surprised me a little bit, and maybe it shouldn't have. 4.2, that was the number of passes from Garland to Mobley last year that resulted in a shot. So Garland, on average, would pass to Mobley 4.2 times a game on, and passes that resulted in shots. Jared Allen was at 2.6, so 1.6 more. The year before, Mobley was at 4.3, Allen was at 2.3. So for two years, even if, like, I think it, the Mobley-Garland thing did evolve last year, there has been a real emphasis and connection between Mobley and Garland. And I think if I'm looking at the Evan, the core of how Mobley can evolve, I do think it, it's going to be through a partnership with Darius Garland, maybe a little more directly than it is with Mitchell, just because of Garland's creation ability for others. Yeah, I think it's part of that. And also just if you're the Cavs, I think it's uh, a mental victory that your franchise point guard and franchise big men have that on-court chemistry together. But like, this is something you pointed out to me for a while. This is something I kind of alluded to in segment one. But like the on-court harmony between... Garland and Mobley is really encouraging because I think that's what you want when you're building this team. Um, I think the variance between Mobley and Allen in terms of um, just passes also or uh, possessions with involving a Garland pass, like that's that's interesting. And um, but like to your point, um, like you, you can't rely on Mitchell to be the primary ball handler and creator for your offense and pick and rolls like this or just in passing plays involving your bigs and. Garland getting Mobley more involved on offense. I mean, track like what Garland said verbally last year and probably what he'll say throughout this season as well. And I think that'll be an interesting statistic just to kind of monitor, like how does this partnership between Mobley and Garland on offense continue to grow and fluctuate so that the two can really be the quote unquote franchise cornerstones that the Cavs build their entire team around. Yeah. All right. Uh, Last segment coming up next. Best case, worst case for one Evan Mobley. Evan, what's your best case for Evan Mobley? Are we saying just for the season or like long term? Yeah. Like no, 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 no. Yeah. So obviously he is a key factor in leading the Cavs to the playoffs. I don't think All-Stars, it's an option, but I just don't think it's like a thing just with how crowded talent-wise Eastern Conference is this year and just the NBA in general in his position. But we're saying like, yeah, it's another, it's another season where he has all defensive honors. This is the year where he actually either wins or finishes in a very close second for Defensive Player of the Year. And just more importantly than that, like we have a clear understanding of what he is going to be on offense as a player because players take that proverbial year three leap. And like I asked him about this, like, what are your 10 poles? He's like, ah, I don't really have them. He's like, as long as it contributes to winning, but like, how does he contribute to winning then in that capacity? It's going to come on the offensive side of the ball because defensively, he's going to keep rising at this meteoric pace from his rookie season to now, and he's going to keep getting better. But like the offense needs to start catching up at some point. So you have an understanding of it. And more than that, like, okay, there's either like it's clear he is the second best player on the Cavs heading into year four for Mobley, or at least like there is a vision for like, okay, offensively, I feel confident enough to say like he is the second best player on the Cleveland Cavaliers, maybe several, a month or two uh, into his fourth season in the league. What about you? I, I think it's all about the offensive 
step. I think he, this is a guy that even if I think he has more to his game to some degree, I think it's look it's two years of his career, even with improvements in year two, where he's been below average from the field in terms of true like effective field goal percentage. He was great at the rim last year, but the rest of his shot chart is is really lacking. And I think this is someone that needs to be more efficient, that needs to be take a step forward there. I, I mean, I think both of us think the world of Mobley. But I think the best case for him is is going to be, even if the defense remains somewhat the same, even if there's not like another seismic defensive leap and he like like he doesn't win defensive player of the year or something this year. If he has another like great defensive season and is on like a short list for defensive player of the year, but is like 60% at true shooting or something close to that, like near near 78% of the room last year, he's there again, makes like 45, 50% of his short mid-range shots close to the rim. Maybe he sprinkles in a corner through here or there, like one every other game, and he just you have like clear offensive utility on a team that wins a lot of games. That's really good. That that's really good. And look, it's always going to have been harder for him to like. Here's here. Let me ask you this: He's the he. It is always going to be harder for him, I think, to maybe take some of the traditional leaps we're talking about, but to, like to play mm-hmm. devil's advocate to that point I'm making, like, should that count against him in some way? Like, I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I don't really know if I believe that, but I'm just like wondering, it's like, okay, like if he isn't this on offense, when do you start being like, okay, this is just kind of what he is like, not saying he can't improve, but is there just like a different kind of path here? That's going to look like, I mean, maybe more like Anthony Davis and it does like Giannis. Well, I think the Anthony Davis, even like Chris Bosch path, like that's like your if if it's a Giannis path and Mobley just comes in absolutely yolt in year four because he didn't in year three, like I'd be stunned. Um, but like if it's the Anthony Davis Chris Bosch path at this point, I think that's like the 99th through even hundredth percentile in terms of like his development and growth. Like there needs to be a lot of wholesale changes on offense. Like for Chris Bosch, it was adding spacing to his game. It's Anthony Davis. He does have a reliable shot, but like he's like the best pick and roll defender in the NBA and does so many little things on offense as well. That just uh, accentuate LeBron James and also just have made the Lakers into at least a consistent threat uh, for the playoffs and maybe even a championship. Um, it's very, very little time in his time with Los Angeles, but um, it's just figuring out those next steps with Mobley. And I think. For me, like the lowest point for him, or if like this isn't like the season isn't like a success in terms of um, like the, the worst case scenario, that's the word I'm looking for. Thanks to the script there. Um, it's like we don't have still like after three years of watching him play, like we don't have a clear understanding of what he can be on offense. And maybe he doesn't quite fit that mold of those lofty expectations that you and I think so highly of for him. And maybe we need to reevaluate and readjust where he fits on Cleveland's hierarchy and you know, like on the overall vision for this team, not saying like trade him or anything like that. I think like you pay him his money because of all of the little things he does that you can't track, but maybe we stop putting him in the same vein as like future hall of famers in terms of just like their contributions to the defensive floor and how they adapted to the game. And, we're still kind of in that weird holding pattern that we've been in for the last two, almost three years, just because we don't have a clear understanding of what he can be on offense and what the complete player that is Evan Mobley could look like. Yeah. I think the worst case is just, does the offense just stay kind of stagnant? Like do, do we, do we get to like yeah. April and it's like, 
He's the same guy on offense. He's still very. So I, for when Chris was sharing those stats, um, I didn't understand the assignment. And I was sharing them, but like 5.4 of Mobley's possessions were in isolation during the regular season. Um, he had zero of them in the postseason. but like, it's very clear. He's very guard dependent, despite the fact that Cavs are like, Oh, we want him running the offense and initiating the fast break. And, Sure, there's going to be times where he makes the pass and does things like that, but if you want to allow him to grow and develop, like you need more tangible proof of him running plays in isolation and kind of being the guy who runs an offense. Well, because that's me, like, that's what the Cavs are hyping him up to be. So I don't think it's an isolation thing. I think what it is is I, I he'll know get rebound. I know it's not, yeah. but like that that can be an, sometimes an indicator of like okay, are there opportunities for him to handle the rock? And, like, I wish I was a little bit more prepared, but at least in isolation, like, you have, like, an indicator. Like, okay, there's moments where, like, Mobley maybe grabbed the rebound, brought the ball up, and then called his number and ran a play for himself or tried to attack the basket by himself. At least for that, like, one, there's that selfish edge that stars have, which mm-hmm. they sometimes need, and two, at least you have a little bit of an understanding. Like, yeah, there's moments at least the Cavs let him handle the ball and try and score uh, by himself and not be dependent on the guards setting him up on offense. So this is what I would this would be my what I would say to kind of wrap this up. I think what it is is Evan Mobley will be someone on offense who's you're never going to see him run like a ton of ISOs and even we Mm-mm. we we look at someone like Giannis like as a or. Davis, like they don't always run a ton of ISOs. What I think it'll be is maybe the post ups get a little bit better and more dynamic than they were at times last year. I think you'd be looking for DHOs, which we haven't seen a ton of, which, and I think some of the spacing will help with that. Emotion will help with that. And I would be looking for, for the, for, for him at once in a while to have the ball in his hands on the outside and it goes. And, I do wonder if they're going to like try to get rebounds in his hands more and like Jared just like box it and and just let him let him go. Because if there's one player on the team that I that is like a featured featured player that I know wants to play a little bit faster at times, it's not Donovan Mitchell. It's not Darius Garland. It's Evan Mobley and it's off of rebounds. And I wonder if there's just like little wrinkles to let him go and attack that way. And I would. I'd like to see it. It would just be it would be interesting to see them kind of let him loose in that way and trust his decision making in that way and, and emphasize it more if they can. Yeah, and that would go hand in hand with the ethos of the Cavs playing faster, quote unquote, after being this one of the slowest, if not the slowest team in basketball last season. And like that would make sense. It's just is it gonna be a sudden thing or is it gonna be like a gradual ramp up as we watch like the Cavs? find their footing within this new offense or supposedly new offensive scheme and system, or is it going to be something that's a little bit more sudden? Because to your point, like whether it's Damian Jones for the time being or Jared Allen, when he's back on the floor and healthy, or even Tristan Thompson, who's at least a big enough body to box out opposing defenders um, or opposing players, rather like those are guys that can make those concrete efforts just to not secure the rebound, but allow Evan Mobley the opportunity and give him a full head of steam to attack the basket or just initiate the offense. And, it would make sense because he would benefit from that quite a bit because it would one make life easier and two it'd be a lot easier for him to find that offensive flow because he on the fast break at least you have so much space more to work. Yes. All right. Big your head for Evan Mobley. We'll see if he's in the All Star race. We'll see if he's Defensive Player of the Year race. All of that fun stuff. We'll be back uh, later this uh, 
after tomorrow's episode is going to be another game recap. First Cavs home preseason game is here. We're going to recap that. Thanks again to Jake Stewart for producing. Talk to y'all on Friday morning.